Hey Pride fam, get ready for another episode of Pride the Podcast. Featuring special guest, actor host, Jay Rodriguez. To my right is this brightly dressed blonde guy, and to my left sort of a gay buddy, Holly. And entertainment editor at Queerty.com, David Reddish. So grab you a hump day treat and take a little time to hang with Pride. It's Pride, bitch. Hello! Welcome to another brand new episode of Pride the Podcast, brought to you by Rehab Entertainment. It's your girl, Ashley Mitchell. It's your boy, Box Wine Poppy with a zero, Adam Andrew Rios. It's your male presenting, Mr. (laughs) Brayden Bradley. And you already know, I am Darrell Anthony. Oh, crrr. Welcome back. Happy hump day. Happy yeah. hump day, y'all. Like, what's what's the dealio? What's the 411? What's the hot gossip? We're halfway through the week. I'm so excited. I always love for the weekend. I said halfway through the week. I don't know what I was just going to say, how do you even know that? Because, I don't. Because like, Darrell still works. Darrell still I'm works. still working. For well, me, I still I'm work, like, too. Is, well, <laughs> I don't know. I is it August, too. September, October? I don't know. I, I thought it was September. No, it's, it's August. August don't you just joking. It's so hot. <laughs> well, then that goes to your point, actually. It's, like, <laughs> it's so hot outside. It has to be August. Yeah, I don't. That's yeah, fucking hot. I mean, I don't it's know if that means anything. This year is so crazy. It could literally be December and be hot outside, and we accept it because that's what we're. Because you're just staying inside. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I really expect aliens to come any moment. Now. I really hope so. If anything, it would be could like make, Mars attacks. If anything can make 2020 <laughs> more interesting, is if hello, hi, hi, everyone. Oh, hi, yeah. If if 2020 <laughs> could be any more interesting, it would be as if aliens landed on this planet. I think it's very possible. No. No? They you don't drove, believe in aliens? I Yeah, but they drove by and were like... <laughs> Facts. They locked their They're doors. They're like, they never did. mind. That's they locked true. the doors. I'm good love and joy. That's true. So That's what, have true. Y'all, what have y'all been up to? Brayden, what have you been up to? What have I been up to this week? Work is same old, same old. August mm-hmm. is always a little slow in terms of editorial. Mm-hmm. Um, oh! I have... Mm-hmm populated, mm-hmm. freshly populated, my new saltwater fish tank. You did? Okay. I do have to come over and see it. I do, yeah. Well, yeah, when I it. went over, it was covered because it was still populated. Because the bacteria was growing and blah, 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 blah. But my saltwater fish tank is cycled, the first cycled, and so I added a few invertebrates, which okay. consists of, for all you saltwater fans out there, <laughs> it consists of three hermit crabs, Three something something snails mm-hmm. and one starfish, and I've determined because it's a sand sifter and you got to clean that sand. I have determined <laughs> that this saltwater fish tank is going to be the leading mm-hmm. feminist, okay, saltwater fish tank in the history of human beings. Okay, so the the starfish's name is Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I, I, why are y'all laughing? I, I'm, I'm on the lookout for Kamala, AOC, Elizabeth, Shirley Chisholm. I'm on the lookout for all of the pioneer and Mm -hmm. pioneer women in the suffrage movement, because why not? not? Now is the time. And I have the only saltwater tank that is pure feminist. Okay. If my saltwater tank here I keep going. Somebody stop me because I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> I know it. P. Sherman right. 42 Wallaby Way Sydney. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Say I'm it not again. tired of it. P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Sydney. I'm going to say it again. I like the way that sounds. P. Sherman Someone 42 Wallaby Way oh. He's lost it. He's, he's, he's lost literally lost okay, it. Okay so you're a saltwater father. You're now. a salt bay. Zaddy. Okay. Salt bay. You're a plant zaddy. Yeah. You're a cat zaddy. Yeah. Okay. What other zaddies are you? Well, I'm also an Aries, and I am 32. I like mm-hmm. long walks on mm-hmm. the beach. Who doesn't? And mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Brain Bradley if you want to slide into my DMs. So now I you heard it here. Being folks. used for a hookup, right? Right. Like trying to, like, I thought this. <laughs> sorry, I got on my calendar. This said this was a uh, 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 fast dating. 
no, it said it was the date. You're fast. Anyway, we started a new show on HBO Max about Lovecraft Country. Yes, and it is crazy as fuck. It is. It makes my heart beat the entire show. It's called Lovecraft Country. It's on HBO Max. It's the thing. Excuse me. It's the same people <laughs> that did uh, Get Out. So, yeah, like Jordan Monkey Peele. Jordan and Peele. it's set in the 1920s. It's like 1928, 1930s or something like that. Is it country? I don't know if it's that early. It's, no. It's like it's before. Or it's in the 50s. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's in integration. But is it country? Like, yeah. So it's like. It's really difficult to explain. So it's like then why? So it was so, set in the 1950s. Yeah. Jim Crow. Jim, um, there we go. There we era. go. Oh, thank you, um, producer. Yeah, yep. Yeah, very much welcome. Um, Monkey Paw Productions. Um, you know Jordan Peele as well. I. It's very interesting. So I think the show um, it stars a great audience of Journey Smollett, Jonathan Majors, Anjuan Ellis, Courtney B. Vance, mm-hmm. a wonderful cast. And you definitely have to watch it because it speaks to what's going on right now with everything in America with the race war. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of speaking mm-hmm. earlier, we were talking about aliens coming. So, right. and, and it was also it's, a book. It's a sci-fi. Yeah. Which if you mm-hmm. go back a, and you read the book, I think it'll be very interesting. It's a oh, novel wow. which sounds... was inspired by like sci-fi stuff. So like the author of the novel was inspired by it. You know, sci-fi and all these crazy. That sounds but it's tied up my own. How they yeah, wrote yeah. Yeah. Like, racism. It's very like yeah. Stranger Things meets, um, meets um, the Stranger or the Outsider from HBO meets the uh, faculty, faculty meets oh, Get wow. Out. And this is and on so, HBO and Max. It kind of reminded yeah. me of The Walking Dead, where it's like they have this enemy, this like kind of Stranger Things type creature but they also have like just racist america that's also the villain because they Mm -hmm. i noticed when we're watching it they play like thriller like scary music while Mm -hmm. the racist stuff is happening and it really makes your like heart pound and it's like wow it's like two scary entities Mm -hmm. speaking of scary entities are y'all watching the republican national convention (laughs) no i did not watch racism you're not watching it I uh, have not been watching it either, but I have been watching, I guess you could call them the hits, as Darrell said. I've been reading Twitter, I guess. Um, I've seen seen what people have, what stuck out to them. And, you know, I'm just so shocked that the people who produce the freaking Apprentice. Apprentice... literally mm-hmm. produces and you can tell it's a reality show like they're Absolutely. lying yeah. they're yelling they're screaming they're trying to make a point and that's what people do when they know that they're gonna lose they right. start screaming they start yelling they start right. name calling well their, their so main fun. their main selling card is fear and I'm anxious mm-hmm. to hear what Dev, uh, David Reddish has from Queerty to say about this but the, all the, their calling card is literally fear mm-hmm. they're saying the Democrats want to take away that you live your freedoms. They want to take away your yeah. religious liberty. I'm like, what? I I heard that. I mean, the, na- I but the narrative, that. I mean, and Brady, you had said this a while back on one of our earlier episodes, like the narrative is they can't take away your gun. Like no one can really go to your house and just take away your gun. That's like literally not a thing, but you can put laws on it where someone who has a bad rapper who has um fucking they, they've been in prison for killing someone can't go out and buy a gun like that's how that works so the whole narrative that people believe that oh you can take my guns is just not real yeah it's just really disgusting but the democratic national convention on the other hand i thought was in this weird times of viewing a convention virtually i thought they did a really good job as much as they could have without having the like support and the energy from li- uh, from a live audience mm-hmm. i thought they did a really good job wasn't it interesting seeing someone I-, I felt like when joe biden spoke it was the president it's it's very odd when Ka- uh, kamala harris spoke i felt like oh this is a vice president like do you know people who had class so it's like a leader say- you say that you think that it was a president or a vice president or a leader. I thought, oh, there's a person with a brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I got from it. I was like, oh, you make sense. Oh, yeah. oh, this is what um, an office with integrity used to run on. This is what legitimacy looks like. Uh, 
it's just night and day when it mm. comes from, unfortunately, from the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And I know, like, the guy I went on a date with, ooh, ooh. 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 Shout out. He's a zaddy. The, 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 <laughs> the guy or Brayden? Brayden? Brayden is a zaddy. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's blushing, um, y'all. Anyway, I am so blushed. <laughs> when y'all listen to this, y'all be looking at your Spotify. is going to turn pink. Um, blushing back. No, basketball. he was like, I don't believe in parties and parties and parties. I'm going to sit there on my muscle glass at him. Because... I hope it's over. No, it's not over. Anyway, um, <laughs> but he, to a point, he was right. It was like, like ideally, we don't believe in parties. Parties aren't great. We shouldn't ever be divisive amongst American citizens. However, wow. in these days' times, you're either good or bad. You're either mm-hmm. Christian or going to hell. Mm. That means Republican or Democrat. Um, so he brought up a, a great point. But my whole point being is... That Joe Biden just feels like the uncle that makes the most sense, that has the most sanity. That's just like, hey, yeah. let's all let's all be humans and get back to the point of what America meant to be when yeah. we were founded. Well, like, listen, we're not going to get perfection either. So, like, some people are looking for like a literally polar opposite, and it's like that's not going to happen. Well, but, he's like, running on the transition ticket, mm-hmm. which means like, hey, I'm not going to be the Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be he's the not person. Bernie. Right. He's not any I'm of going people. to be the person that gets you away from mm-hmm. the demonic leader in charge that is Trump. So mm-hmm. you might as well vote for me. Well, people <laughs> were upset. They were like, oh, we didn't feel that he spoke about policy, but as Sonny Hostin from The View has spoke about, well, I mean, we got to get back to the soul of the country, so before we can talk about policy, we have to talk about What's right how human decency? human decency. So it's going to be a while before we can even talk about policy because yeah. so much has d- been dismantled in how we're supposed to act as human beings. How about we tell people not to grab pussies? Mm-hmm. How about we not make fun of people who are disabled? How about we not be homophobic? How about we not be xenophobic? Because all of us are immigrants that have come into this country. Again, I don't understand. I mean, this week we saw another black man be shot from the back. Jacob Blake. Um, You know, I do want to send out prayers and love to his family. I cannot believe it. He's he's still alive and he's fighting. You know why? He has three beautiful children and a wife that he's fighting for. So he's fighting for his family. But it's interesting to see... People from, I don't even want to say the Republican side anymore. I think it's people just from Trump's base of hate and ignorance that are like, well, he must have did something wrong. And, he, and it's just like, yeah. yo, at the end of the day, first was, of all, that's not the He broke up a fight. Right, he broke up a fight. But also, no one deserves to be shot as many times as no he matter. It doesn't matter In front what? of his children. No his matter children. what. And then what you did with Dylan and Roof. And he's when paralyzed. He went, you, what you did with Dylan Roof mm-hmm. when he went into his church and killed a bunch of innocent black people who invited him into their house of worship, they took him to Burger King. So that's what we are. I do not. Fired up, after like, George <laughs> Floyd, as a white person, I thought to myself, okay, this is it. This is the turning point. Mm. This is going to be, and I know y'all had mm. all told me like, no, I don't have any, it's going to happen yeah. again. And sure enough, here it has happened again. I mean, thank God he's alive, but... I feel like this is, like, the 10th one since, like, It's gonna continue to happen. Yeah, there's been others. So when is it gonna stop? It's not, until we defund the police. Right, and even then... And have reform. Yeah, and even then, it'll probably still happen because there is just a long-standing hate for... POC people and then especially black people. There's just like there's just like this deep, deep layer of hate for us. Can I tell you it really is. Sorry. No, Mm -hmm. no, I just want to also speak out about the trans that just what happened recently uh, with the three trans women in Los Angeles, Jocelyn mm-hmm. Allen, Jocelyn Busante, and Eden Estrada, who were robbed and harassed. Um, they finally just arrested the man who did that. And well, there were several. And, and mm-hmm. well, they arrested one of the men who did it, who who did a majority of it. And I just want to say that, like, 
shout out to the people who showed up and said, let's make sure that we try to get justice for this. But mm-hmm. for all you people who looked on and who recorded and who laughed and who did nothing, shame on you. Shame mm-hmm. on you for trying. Like, you're not real men who did that. You're, you are pussies. And it's, it's just very sad. But I'm glad that it looks like they're going to be able to get justice. So mm-hmm. I'm very happy to hear that. So I wanted to share a personal story from um, something that I experienced this week from my white mother. Mm -hmm. She works in a prison, which is unfortunately um, more POC than it is white Mm -hmm. people in terms of the prisoners. Probably all from weed. More than like (laughs) something, Something some like ridiculous ridiculous, like um, charge. Um, I told her like you should watch um, when they see us on Netflix. Eva, uh, Ava DuVernay is the director. Mm-hmm. So she, she watched it and she votes Republican and she texts me back. She watched it, first of all, within eight hours. It's like a Oh, four, she watched the whole she thing. She binged it. And my Ooh, mother, my mother is not a, a binge watcher. That's she, a heavy watch. She like goes to bed at 8 p.m., wakes up at like 6 a.m., mm-hmm. like has her vodka by nine. Anyway. <gasps> She, My mother likes that. Yeah, mm-hmm. So <laughs> she watched it, and the next day she texted me. She said, I hate that white witch. Oh, and your I, mom said My that? mother said that. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I am so mad at her. She said, if I were alive during those times, if I was in that room, I would kill her. Oh, my goodness. Because she felt so against what Felicity Huffman did in the movie. Oh, I thought you meant in real life, because, you know, Felicity doesn't get real life. (laughs) Well, we're getting to that. (laughs) We're getting to that. Speaking of, Lori Laughlin is behind bars for two months. Two months. Two months. Two months. um, A day. Yeah. So I thought that was, like, real growth in my Republican family for Mm -hmm. my mother to side. Not that she is racist by any means. and not that I was going to say, your mom has always shown me very much No, my mom is not racist, but the fact that she took my recommendations took y'all's recommendations mm-hmm. to watch something to educate a white person on the POC um, spectrum I guess and she sided with the us right side. <laughs> made me feel just like on the right side made me feel like okay mom like well this aw. is why we do this podcast right this is Gross. why we we speak out and this is it why it's really important sweet. for people like us to to speak out and like I said your mom has never showed me anything but kindness I mean she likes me more than she likes you and I and so listen I don't I, I don't think it's hate that exists for a lot of people I think I mean, there is hate but I think there's also ignorance and the learn of people want to be taught people do need to be taught education education is very important so that's amazing to hear that she watched that and she felt that way yeah yeah, yeah. and it was topical that's for huge. her because like I said she works in a prison now and she I think I told y'all about the whole like going against the blue shirts and going with uh, mm-hmm. the white shirts anyway that's if you want to, I didn't say that. Mm-mm. I, I didn't say so. that. Okay, well, we got a few we'll more minutes before. The, okay, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with actor host Jay Rodriguez and entertainment editor of Queerty, David Reddish. Welcome back. We have a special guest with us today, Jay Rodriguez, actor and host. Yes. yes. How are you, Jay? I am holding up well, and I got to say, I'm joining you on the martini train today. During yes. The- yes. Cheers to that. I have a little modello. It's trying to be different. It's hot. I need like a cool, like refreshing yeah. beer. It is so hot. hot. Mm. How's everything in LA? How how are you, how have you been doing with the pandemic and the heat and just everything that 2020 <laughs> is? Um, yeah, so I actually was hosting a morning radio show for about a year and a half, and I was working so much in television, I thought I can't do both. So smart me decides last September, hey, I'm gonna not renew in January. I'm gonna leave. And something it was it was literally when uh, Mercury was in retrograde, and you're not supposed to make big mm-hmm. decisions. Uh-huh. So about a week later, I was like, "I'll take it back." Oh my god! Right. Yeah. So you know, I was, I, and and by the time they got back to me, that was like October. They got finally got back to me in December. They're like, you know, I just we just feel like you're it's going to be competing doing the morning show and your actual you know acting career. 
So um, we'll just have you back as a guest host and stuff. So December 20th, my last day, we begin January. And I'm like, I don't have a job. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm just going to pray I get a pilot. I book the rookie. I play a murderer. We do Family Feud. I'm thrilled. I shoot this HBO Max series called Equal. I'm like, yes, things are going. And then literally the world shuts down. Now, yeah. I'm essentially a gig worker. Basically, every now and again, I pop into TV. But to keep things afloat, I tour with the cabaret show. I throw night, uh, throw parties and nightlife, and all of that clearly has gone away. And it's it's a it was a really scary time in the beginning. It was just really about okay, this is gonna be maybe just four or five months. Um, but now getting right. yeah. into the fact that this is gonna be here for a while, it's really yeah. thinking about creative ways to work from home that are sustainable. Um, even post-pandemic and that you know for someone like me is tricky because I live pretty humbly and like I said I'm a gig worker I think the anxiety around w what's coming next is always kind of with gig workers but it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah, yeah. I found a really good community online and I was sharing with you guys before we went live that I you know I go live every day on my Facebook page um, and I kind of found this you know this I built together this nice little pandemic happy hour grouping of folks and all over oh, the world, right. and I think that's um, that's been keeping me sane, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, let's just like rewind just a second, because I've been a huge fan of yours since, obviously, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yes. I remember I was a freshman in high school, and I was like, oh my god, like I had to secretly watch it, like, <laughs> yeah. I had, like Bravo on one channel and like Disney on the Straight Guy, and all all people are like, and I had to secretly watch it, but that's what we were then. That even though it's technically four straight people right they also right. had to do this like when i'm on sets like the crew will be like my wife and i used to love your show you know i'm like they <laughs> whisper it but i want to know so like what made you want to become a performer like what who what or who inspired you yeah my my aunt joanne was kind of the uh performer in my family my mom had that lady gaga's aunt lady gaga's aunt had cooler hats um, <laughs> my aunt brought me to my first audition and it was kind of funny because I, my cousin came along as well we're three weeks apart raised as siblings she and i went totally unprepared the show was called runaways we came in our sunday best but mm -hmm. we were people of color and, and basically the entire room was white people so we were like I mean, we stand a chance of getting into a show called Runaways. <laughs> there were parts like for with Latin last names and stuff, and so we thought, okay. And then when we, um, you know, get the call, you know, call to find out if we'd gotten cast, um, uh -huh. my aunt Joanne to save, uh, just keep the truth, I got cast and my cousin didn't. So she said we both didn't get the part, and I was like, mm? so you know, I, mean, I got to double check. So then they're like, no, you got it. And, and she really kind of sparked this um, excitement about being a performer. I didn't know you could make money or make a living from it. And so out of there, just did everything I could growing up. I went to performing arts high school, evangelical home. None of that was allowed. I would smuggle in, you know, Broadway cast albums on the burnt CD and I would write Amy Grant. And that was like controversy. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, Been there, done that. Wow. No TV, no secular music. If it wasn't for the glory of God, it wasn't in my house. And then from there, I go to from that existence to playing an HIV positive drag queen in Rent, which mm -hmm. is literally how my aunt died in 1996 um, from full blown AIDS, her and one of her two kids. So HIV has always been my kind of um, aspect of my life that's been the biggest passion is the advocacy around it. Because in the 90s, I saw the way she was treated. And then even at 18, wanting to play this character and wanting to take this job was a complete insult and slap in the face to my family. Because it was like, we just lost my aunt two years prior to, to AIDS at the time. And also, I didn't even know anything about what gay was. I mean, it took like 48 minutes to download a picture of a naked man. By the time mm. you got to the network, you're like, TRL is on, I gotta go. Honestly. That's the real Leave it downloading and turn the monitor off. I thought it was a joke. I was like, well, this doesn't work. How are two penises? And it certainly wouldn't uh, go where the other stuff comes out. So this is a big colossal joke. And yeah. so, it's a scam. Right. Yeah. So performing really, I think the 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 full like getting a, the lights turned on and seeing things in technicolor wasn't until I was 18 and I got rent. And that cast became my teachers. 
Did you get um, rent when you were here in New York? Because you're from New York originally, yeah. or you yes. did? Okay. So, yeah, I auditioned <laughs> right, right after senior year, like everyone else and their mother. And yeah. I had like eight callbacks, and they were like, "Yeah, everyone has eight callbacks for rent." And then, <laughs> and then at 18, they they sent me to Toronto to open the first international company in Canada. I did that for a year, and then came to Broadway after that. Um, and so I played Angel at 19 on Broadway, which was the youngest person ever cast in a leading role in that show. And it okay. was 1999. Yeah, it was 1999. <laughs> Things were different. But in our New York little book, it was, I think I was exposed to so many different kinds of folks, uh, different gender expressions, certainly people of multiple different ethnicities. So it was surreal in later years when I entered Hollywood proper to kind of see the bias that exists. Mm. Yeah, that's okay. crazy. So would you say your entryway to Hollywood proper was um, Queer for the Straight Guy? Yes, so I got my, yeah, so in New York I had done everything. I had originated two off-Broadway roles. Like I said, I did Rent. Um, I did The Producers on Broadway. I mean, I did a couple feature films, but nothing where I was the lead. I just had great little um, cool character roles. And, and I think even though I had done TV and film, Queer Eye certainly put me on the map. I mean, within one yeah. year, within two weeks, we were on the cover Entertainment Weekly, a month later, Oprah, Ellen, Jay Leno. Yep. Wow. President Bush, who voted strongly against marriage equality, was talking about us lovingly. And we even did an episode with Donald Trump Ew. when he was a Democrat. Oh. Yes. So that's how crazy that era was. Talk about yeah, bizarre. That is crazy. So how was your auditioning process for Queer Eye? And like when you finally heard the news that you received the part and you were cast, like where were you? How did you feel? Mm -hmm. What was gag, that moment like? Gag, gag gooped, face cracked because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hustler. I, I'm like a typical Puerto Rican. I got 16 jobs at all times and I don't trust nothing. And so I, on my one night off, I had created this top 40 night at this club that was at the time on 16th and 9th called XL. It was behind the Maritime. Girl, <laughs> I've been there a few times. It's caused a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. like, at the time, the best example the New York Times, I think, kind of sets in the, uh, like, I was sort of like a gay Justin Timberlake. I was, you know, giving you like the ripped jeans and Swarovski crystals, live band, background dancers, background singers. It just wasn't done by a cisgender gay boy in queer nightlife because they always said it needed to be a, a diva or a drag queen. And I was like, just give me two shows. And that's how like I got on their radar and then I essentially had an audition which consisted of nothing but sitting across from a woman in an office and taking her on a verbal romantic date as a 35 year old divorced dad living on Long Island and so I knew the city like the back of my hand I could tell you um, what would be cool to that person that seemed common to me um, and so that's what happened then she was she loved the answer thought it was you know interesting and layered and she was like how old are you and I was like I'm 23 and she's like you're 26. Like mm. wait what? Like, what school do you go to? I was like well I didn't go to college I, I just gotten right into it. She's like you graduated and then the next day I got a, a call back with that little information um, for NBC and Bravo and imagine it's like a boardroom NBC on one side Bravo on the other and three chairs and there's a, a an empty seat in the three chairs setup and to, so I sit in that one and to my right is this brightly dressed blonde guy and to my left sort of a gay buddy Holly and I don't know why they're there. All I know is I'm there to audition to replace someone on a show. The word reality TV didn't exist then. That wasn't a genre that people were throwing around. Right. So reference. They kept saying it's like the view, but it's like like trading spaces, but like like they couldn't, no one had a language. And I just remember the board asking me questions and mm -hmm the blonde guy, Carson, and you know, the gay buddy, Holly, Ted, would try to discredit me. And I felt so diminished that all I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be memorable because maybe NBC will if think if I'm funny, I'm right for a sitcom one day on their lineup. And right. I left mm -hmm. so defeated because I thought I didn't get that. These guys were like, you know, messing with every single thing I said. I was there for a chemistry test, but no one told me that. So, two, so an hour and a half later, I get a call. I called my agent first. I said, don't ever send me out for anything like that again. I'm so humiliated, <laughs> so, so embarrassed. And he's like, you didn't do as bad as you thought. You start Monday. And that is literally how I got the show. Wow. wow. Look at God. I mean, that's so amazing. I mean, so you kind of talked about already, um, you know, being in magazines and 
uh, President Bush and the current inhabitant of the White House that you had worked with. Um, when did you really realize that Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was going to become the cultural phenomenon that it did? I mean, it changed yeah. so many people's lives. Yeah. And even till this day. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, it was a slow burn because even, I think anytime you're on television, you just can't believe people are watching. So we had to shoot two more weeks after we launched. And we just went to work as normal. We didn't think nothing. We're like, oh, it's cute. Remember, Bravo TV at that point really only had inside the actors' studios and a bunch of small yeah. shows that no one really watched. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, we remember. Andy Cohen hadn't yeah, taken over. Like, <laughs> no one knew what a Vanderpump was. A Vanderpump to me was the thing I would do late at night in the privacy of my own home, in my mind, to James Vanderbeek. You know, so like. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to say anything. So when we say like, you know, when did it take off? When did you know? I think like Entertainment Weekly, the second week we're on the air was like, you shoot the cover on Friday. And I was like, oh, that's probably big. And I remember I was doing an off-Broadway show. I'd left Rent and I was doing an off-Broadway show. And then I was living in a friend's guest room. It was so small. I would open the door and hit the bed. And at the same time, I was on Entertainment Weekly. So you're holding both. And then time passes. Yeah. You recognize, oh, Tell me about it. it oh, I have an Emmy now. Oh, oh, I'm a New York Times bestseller. And then go to, I think when I go to different countries and they're, they're it's not like you did a, a role in a movie. They're stopping you with tears in their eyes saying, you know, because of you, it was safe for my uncle to come out. Because of your show, um, my family's conservative, but they don't know any gay people. And they invited five into their homes, a really private space, whether it's your bedroom, your kitchen, wherever your TV is, you know, every Tuesday night. Yeah. So I think it took years to answer your question for me to kind of get, the impact, and I think when we went to the premiere of the new Queer Eye um, show for Netflix, um, they thanked everyone, you know, the head of Netflix comes up and, you know, everyone gets a little shout out and then they saved us for last. And they're like, we want, and they named our names. All of you guys to stand up. No one else had to stand up. We were like, uh-oh, what's gonna happen? Did we get a car? What's going on? And then he, <laughs> he was like, without you five, none of us in this room would be here right now doing this new spinoff. And that was the first time anyone on any like level had sort of thanked us. I mean, we were paid very modestly, um, you know, like I, we never got residuals or anything like that. So when you're part of something that's culturally really? groundbreaking, to know you did something, I think my biggest form of commerce from that time is just quite simply the fact that it had impact and that people felt seen yeah. visible. Yeah. yeah, and I want to take a moment, and I said earlier, I thank you, because it was one of the first times I remember seeing just, like, yeah. openly gay men live their lives, and it wasn't, like, some, like, hokey-jokey, you know. We weren't the butt of a joke or anything like yeah. that, so it was, like... Well, it was and, interesting, too, because we got we got confused for Queer as Folk all the time. I love you on Queer as Folk. <laughs> I'm not hooking up in the bathroom club on TV. <laughs> but are you? But are you? Not on TV. Not on TV, <laughs> I'll never tell. Sip Martini. Yeah. You got that OnlyFans link? <laughs> no, we don't speak of OnlyFans on this part. Hey, listen, do your thing. Do your thing. Okay. Um, just for fans here. Got it. Just got it. Got it. Got it. Exactly. 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 So with the new reboot of Queer Eye, obviously it's a huge success. It's reaching a new generation, which is great. How do you feel about Karamo being your successor in like the culture? Culture, role? culture. So I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, he actually reached out to me. Like, so the producer. Here's how this went down. It was already being cast and worked on, and I knew people were auditioning for it, low key. But I didn't know when it would happen. And I was in Puerto Vallarta because um, I do like I tour the cabaret show. So for the holidays, I go to Puerto Vallarta, you know, test my stuff out of the country, and mm -hmm. then I bring it in the states in January. And I got a call from the Queer Eye producers on speakerphone. If you get a speakerphone call and you're <laughs> uh, any kind of performer, you know it's usually to offer you a job. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to get ahead of it. They knew the press was going to leave that the show was indeed coming back and I didn't know what that meant and so they were like Jay we just want to tell you we're bringing Queer Eye back in my Puerto Rican New York City butt just threw my boot in my mouth and I was like oh my god this is so amazing because honestly like now in my 30s I feel like I have so much more to offer <laughs> and then they said with an exciting new dynamic cast and I was like gutted because oh. I felt like we had built this fraternity and I was getting kicked out of it. And then I remember calling my team and like, do you remember how hard it was for you 
post Queer Eye to get any work as an actor, even get in rooms. And we've worked for over a decade where now people call us to have you come in or offer. And that's through your hard work. And so why would you want to go backwards? And so then when I met Karamo, um, sort of virtually, we've been passing a couple times, but when we started talking virtually, he was so genuine. Um, and to be honest, you know, the Queer Eye guys and I are going to do something together in September, just a one-off kind of thing. And I think okay. we're working together, but I don't think any of us would want to do the same project. And I think this new show has its appeal to this new generation. And I love that the that the, the content's being made. I wish whoever was in power there, and I say it all the time, and they probably hate me for saying it, but I feel like it's a big miss to never have us all together in an episode, a Thanksgiving, a Christmas episode. And yes. they've been consistent since day one to that idea. And I, I don't know why, and listen, for all I know, it could be just, they're like, meh, like we just, you know, this is the new cast and everything, but we all love it. You know, we all have mad respect for each other. I was just at Karamo's house pre-pandemic. Um, he's a lovely human and I just couldn't imagine mm -hmm. a better person for that role. And I like that he put his foot down. Like there were so many rules for me about what I could wear, what I couldn't wear. I always fit a cap, could not wear that on the show. I had to wear a blazer, uh -huh. yeah. had to age me up. Um, there were so many pieces uh -huh. of was that in the early, you know, we think about the gay explosion in the early 2000s, it was a gay white explosion or white presenting. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. hard pressed to find people of color in the early 2000s outside of a small handful who were given the golden microphone. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, I'm thankful that this this cast checks a lot of, uh, you know, boxes in terms of their diversity, you know, and, and the things that they represent. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I love that yeah. you just talked about um, that Karamo filling a role. And, you know, you played some very dynamic roles yourself as an actor over the years. Um, what is one of your favorite roles? I have to tell you, so Nip Tuck is one of my favorite shows ever. And that the fact that they had- they yes. named an episode after you, and Chaz Darling, so great. Um, so what was your, first of all, now I have to ask you, what was your favorite memory of talking being on that set with those amazing uh, actors? Yeah, so I think for me it was so validating because, like I said, I, I came here so discouraged. You know, SNL had parodied me, specifically um, Mad TV as well. And then <laughs> that's when you know that's an honor. Made that's when you know you've made it. Yeah. It's an honor, but I recognize the half a decade I had of being creating a name for myself in New York didn't matter here in LA as, as an actor. Mm -hmm. And I was a reality star at the height of it where it was all table flippy and weave pulling. And I got lumped into that grouping of people. And Ryan Murphy, I auditioned for that part in Nip Tuck and he gave me a shot and it honestly got me into so many rooms and it's probably began my legitimized career. I mean, I'm the first person to ever become series regular from reality who's who's male presenting. Um, <clears throat> and and I think, you know, for, for me, I know Kathleen McPhee was the first female, but I'm the first dude with Malibu Country. And my, my, I think my favorite role okay. would probably be this year upcoming on HBO uh, Max is Equal. It's a, it's a four-part miniseries about unsung queer heroes of the 1960s. Yes, yes. girl, we know. Oh, yeah. Like, Jose, sorry. We yeah, we already know. <laughs> but it was dope because um, that's the Queer Eye producers, and I had to audition, and then they, they, I was, they were texting us when we were doing Family Feud, and they're like, what are you guys doing together, reunion? Because they don't do any of this. They don't, anytime we do something together, it's not from the Queer Eye producers, and they were curious, and... I was like, sorry, I'm late to this group conversation. I was just auditioning for an HBO Max show. And they're like, which one? And I'm like, equal. And they're like, that's our show. And I'm like, so why don't we just cut through the middleman? Uh, uh, you guys know I'm an actor, let's do this. And so then two weeks later they called and they're like, it's perfect. He's He was one of the first out uh, gay politicians to run for office, didn't get elected, but um, you know was a cabaret star uh, in places like the Black Cat. And it was such a big undertaking because he's sort of a mid-Atlantic Old, he kind of talked like an old Hollywood, like he had this 1950s sort of cadence to his voice and as, as he would back then. And by the way, I changed his pronouns because anything you see of him, most people refer to him as him or her um, by the closest friends. So I, I'm not mm -hmm. being disrespectful, but um, yeah, it's, it, was a, it's, it's, it was a huge opportunity. And I'm sad that each of us only get to touch the character. Like it doesn't yeah. have full depth on what they did, but I hope maybe season two, that they'll mm -hmm. delve deeper because 
Jose started the Imperial Court, which is considered the, one of the first yeah. largest, um, you know, fundraising organizations for the community. Yeah, yeah. I like, know. Like, like trailblazing. We know Gary Cosgrove. Yeah. Uh-huh. We know Gary Cosgrove. <laughs> yeah, we know the Imperial Court. Yeah. Brady and I were able to go to an event there that was pretty amazing. We got to see Leah Delaria. Oh, I love Leah, yeah. Yeah. And I just think it's so important that this is happening now in these like revolutionary times, you know, like such people of color and LGBTQ plus coming together. I think it's beautiful and I can't wait to see it. We need to know our history. I didn't know the story. I met Jose, but I didn't know when someone says the Imperial Court and you don't know what that is. In, in its context, and you don't know how long someone was doing what they're doing. When you are walking out your door as a gender non-conforming or a trans person, even today, it is an act of rebellion. And it is, yes. it is it can't even imagine the weight and magnitude of doing it in the 1960s, specifically right. in the right. when it was illegal. Uh, and yeah. you, uh, you know, met with much more violence than, than people still are experiencing today. So yeah, I think it's an important part of our communal history that should be taught in schools. And I guess this is the alternative and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, that's, so that's, exciting. that's amazing. And I was gonna say that Equal is going to teach the generations that are younger than us, obviously, mm-hmm. our history, like you said. Just say obviously, for, like younger than us. Okay. <laughs> we, are mature, we are established. We are mature young adults. Okay. All right, I'll take the young. Um, but <laughs> I was going to say, like, Queer Eye, the new reboot for Queer Eye is great, and everything that has come from the Obama administration in terms of gay rights is wonderful. But what has missed, what has been missing, in my opinion, is the history, like, where yeah. we have mm-hmm. come from, where um, our, our communities. Yeah, and also, you know, one of the things I think about um, now, I just turned 41, and I I think about how ageist our community is, and and Mm -hmm. one part of that is because so many of our elders were wiped out due to the HIV. Yeah, yeah, and And forgotten, forgotten. Right, and wiped out and forgotten, and their contributions and the things that they fought for in ways that are unimaginable to us today. We 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 stand on their shoulders, and I feel like so often we elevate. Um, things that are not as, you know, I, I, I do come after queer media a lot for, you know, and I'm all good. Listen, you want to have a six pack and you want to be on the cover of that magazine, but let's also elevate those people who maybe don't have the social media following, but are really doing it on the front lines. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether that's people who are advocating for trans rights or fighting for the legislation that protects us all, they should be our superstars as well. And as people go, Amen. Amen. we have to stop discarding our uh, LGBTQ plus elders and instead revering them. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Couldn't have said it better mm-hmm. myself. Um, on that note, thank you, Jay. Thank you, wow, Jay, just over so to the community. Thank you so much, and thank you for just allowing me to share these things. You know, I think I'm so appreciative of how many folks are taking our narratives uh, in in their own hands and in our own way, finding our own platforms to reach people who are interested and curious about what we have to say because. Our words have power, and and just by speaking our truths, we can really change hearts and minds. I I believe that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll see more of that on Equal, which will air on HBO Max. And then I'll come back on, and I'll tell you the real tea. Yes! 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 And again, Jay, to echo what Adam said, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We grew up with you. You changed our lives, and what you guys did was extraordinary yeah i would love to take you guys to drinks when the world is open and i visit new york so yes absolutely it's a date thank you so much hello and welcome back to discuss some hot topics with us we have entertainment editor david reddish of queerty.com hello david how are you i'm doing well i'm enjoying the show actually this is fantastic thank you okay wait where are you by the looks of it from this zoom call for our listeners you are like underneath the space odyssey Astrology zone. Give me Venus down. Okay. Yes. Susan Miller house. 
I am in Los Angeles, though I like to keep a constant sci-fi vibe about my life. It's just how I am. So I, I love, love it. Blue is my favorite, so. Yeah. I love like pink, period, as you can tell. <laughs> Everything in my life is like pink. Pink hair, pink bedspread. I've had pink hair. I think it's beautiful. People can oh, yeah. I used to, when I, my career just started out, I used to have blue hair all the time. And then I started doing more on-camera work. So that became a big no-no. But right. uh, it's, it's amazing how people react. I'm like, I think, it, I think it's pretty. I think it's cool. And people are like, oh, you're a freak. You're disgusting. Blue. Right. Oh. Well, we're here to what change artist. the stereotype. That's marvelous. Speaking of stereotypes, <laughs> go right into it. There has been this thing called the Republican National Convention, oh, which just started, and there are many stereotypes, many archetypes, many types of types. Many um, Uncle Toms. <clears throat> right, that too. Calling it like it is. Have you been paying attention to the RNC? And if so, like, what are your thoughts, Jesus? Uh, in a word, no. I'm sick of this reality show, and I don't want any of the garbage they're trying to sell me on. I knew that four years ago. I've known that every damn day since the election in 2016. I have no no interest in watching more Donald Trump. I, I have no interest in him carting out Melania, his, his possibly mail-order bride, allegedly. I have well, no interest in- His prisoner. In watching, you know, his kids spew. They're not interesting. They're not intelligent. They're not, you know, they don't direct policy, and they they certainly shouldn't be. They're not qualified. Right. For it. But then Trump's not qualified for it either, which is why we're living in a disaster of a pandemic right now. He yeah. caused yeah. the virus, but he was, you know, so complacent in it. That's why you have, you know, more than a hundred thousand people dead. So, yep. David, did you hear that the Apprentice producers were also the producers of the RNC? Did you hear that? I, I didn't hear that, though. I guess I I'm here to it. tell you. <laughs> I mean, the, the little the little snippets that I have seen on on the PBS News Hour, for example, uh, are just like bad clips from The Apprentice. Um, yeah. yeah, legit. Uh, legit and, and just creepy like the, the the whole stage design everything about it just has this weird like quasi fascist feel to it which, yeah you know whether whether you are a democrat or a republican or whether you like trump or not that is not who we are as a nation that's never been who right. we are right um, See, and I, I don't i don't like seeing um our, our symbols corrupted in that kind of way i don't I, the idea that he's going to be giving speeches from the white house infuriates me because that's not what it's for it's agree right do the work um but and that I, ugly I, rose garden oh that remodeled nonsense <sighs> i saw a meme um today on twitter that was like if six of your 12 speakers have the same last name as the president. We're, we're kind of like drifting into like North Korea territory. Um, well, yeah. That's what his master puppeteer Putin mm. does. It's, it's very much like that. Putin has more, more mistresses on the side and allegedly has bastard children though. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I have Russian relatives. They tell me that it is. Wow. wow. Okay, Mary Trump coming out that. with a new book. I mean, I <laughs> Thank you, sis. I mean, even with it, though, being oh, like a... Yeah, no, please, please, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, even with the whole thing being like it's a, a huge joke, it's just also riddled with lies. I know you probably saw a Kimberly Gofall who came on and she was just like, oh, my mother is an immigrant from Puerto Rico. I'm first, I'm first born American. It's like, do you 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 know Puerto Rico is part of the United States? Like, what? I, I, I you're don't, not an immigrant if you're from Puerto Rico. But you're not you're not an immigrant. So you're telling a you're, you're telling it's a lie. So and I, also, <laughs> but I just feel really bad though. Well, I don't feel bad for him anymore. Actually, the base of his who actually think that Puerto Rico is not a part of the United States. I, I don't get it. I don't know why the lies are continuing, and I think it's just so dangerous and hurtful to well, us. Let me ask, let me ask you a question about that. What is more frightening? the idea that they would lie about something that simple, or the idea that maybe they're not actually lying, maybe they're just that ignorant. No, that, that's, that's, that's what, what I, think I think it is. Yeah. It's just ignorance. You know what I think it is? Out of it. And if you yeah. are out of it, you have no purpose working in the American federal government. Period. You know what I think it is, which is even scarier, is they do know that they are lying, and they do know, to, know that it's wrong, but they know that a third of the country doesn't, doesn't know, know, and they're playing to that, which 
makes me infuriated. Or worse, they don't care. Right. right. What's the end goal? What's the end goal with that kind of narrative? Because it's just simply not true. It's all about power. That's all this has ever been about. And that's why people continue to support Trump, even though he insults them, even though he lies to them, even though they know he's completely inept and has no business attempting what he's doing. And even if you do like him, the past four years have been such a disaster. I don't know why you would support him. He clearly has no qualification. He is not up to this job, period. Like, right. Right. Let's all move on with it. Whether you think he's a good guy or a bad guy, he he is incapable of, of right. doing this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And more and more people are jumping on that bandwagon, like Kelly and Conway, who is yeah. finally leaving. It's just like, and her daughter came out and was trying to get She's emancipated. Like, Y'all help emancipated. Help like, me! Help me! Help me! <laughs> help me! <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, how much of you know her daughter's obviously not four years old. She's been around a while, but she's really emerged in the past few months as a sort of social media personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, she's going crazy just like all of us. Can you imagine living in that? Oof. Well, why would you want to, first of all? What, you know, but, but more importantly, it makes me wonder, is it any coincidence that Kellyanne is leaving now mm-hmm. after her daughter has become both, both a vociferous critic of Trump and this, this you know, huge celebrity because of it? Um, I have a feeling she was probably pressured to leave, but we'll find out about that, you know, probably a year or two down the road. Oh, but she's still going to speak at the RNC. Like, I think it's... It's, it's a very, mess. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. I don't know. We're living and in the same times. There's no question about that. But, you know, part of the American character, for better or worse, has always been this sort of you know, we kind of like not knowing anything. You know, you look at the old know-nothing parties like from the 19th century. This is nothing new at all. And it's something that the founding fathers were really, really scared of. The idea that populism of the ignorant would suddenly start dictating to everybody else who was actually good at what they do. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm not watching the RNC is my question. Well, can we assume that you're watching the DNC, the Democratic I, National Convention? I did watch the DNC, and I have to tell you, in, in complete sincerity, I felt really, really good. Um, Why? Uh, you know, I, I was not somebody that watched it wall to wall. I, I don't, I, I've never quite seen the value in that. That and I just have too much to do. I can't sit there and watch the whole thing. Right. That. But um, I did see the highlights. You know, obviously I saw Vice President Biden speak. I saw Senator Harris speak. I saw Barack Obama speak. I saw Michelle yeah. Obama speak, who gave me all the feels because she's mm, got to the United States. She's that woman. Yes. yes. Just everything. She's amazing. Um, I came out feeling really, really good, um, both because uh, Kamala Harris, who I've admired for years and years as a Californian, uh, did so well with her speech and, you know, really I feel like is a future, a voice for the future of the party. Right. Um, and I feel like this is a unity ticket in the sense that Joe Biden is, I think, a good person, whether or not you like his policies. I think he's basically a good man. Yeah, um, which is I, so different from what we have, a good person. What is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a very good person in quite some time. Biden, you know, is 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 easily the most qualified person to ever run for president. And that says something after you're coming up after, you know, Hillary Clinton, who was also ridiculously qualified. Yeah. Um, he gave me the kind of hope that I wanted as a Democrat, as an American voter. Um, the unity between he and, and Senator Harris feels like the bridging of the gap between the older sort of blue dog generation and the younger, you know, millennial gen z you know more socially uh, i guess socialist inclined you know youth um it feels like we can do this together and that that gives me hope for november that gives me hope that yeah you know we're still the united states we've been through all kinds of crazy stuff we bounce back that's what we do you know yeah well here's hoping Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we we have we have hope and i you know what i loved Uh, you spoke about michelle obama very briefly what i loved what i continue to love is that when people from that particular base and i'm going to say republican i'm going to say from trump's base get so upset all they can say about her is oh she looks like a man and this and it's like so you're saying that she's you're you're trying to say she's strong because you're talking about her arm definition and things like that (laughs) there's nothing else you can say about michelle obama because you know she's telling the truth I I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think, you know, a lot of that same criticism 
the, the criticism of Obama had a lot of those same overtones. Yep. Um, uh, you know, particularly the really ugly attacks saying he's not an American citizen. He's a closet Kenyan. He's a, he's a Muslim, you know. Oh, God, yeah. Kenyan. All these things that are just complete horse pucky, not true yeah. at all, that, that any rational person knows are not true. Yeah. Um, but it's like any smear, like just, just throw anything at him because that's all we can do. We, we can't debate him on points because we know he's right. We, we can't, you know, attack him because he is not a corrupt person. He's, yeah. he's actually a good man trying to do a good job. Right. Mm -hmm. You hear about people saying that uh, Kamala Harris is a whore or saying things oh. about Mr. Obama. <laughs> and it's crazy because I can't go to Pornhub and type in their name, but I can Melania Trump. Oh. So it's very Ooh. interesting that uh, you can find her nudity, but you can't yeah. find theirs. We have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just getting to the real point of producing mean. Stephen Ross is a slight producer for this podcast. He said, Spe "Go to break." Mm -mm. Speaking of a uh, Pornhub, I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well. I just saw Bella Thorne is on OnlyFans, and it is on Pornhub, by the way. Uh, yeah, and she broke the record and made a million dollars in twenty-four hours. Like, okay, please tell me she's donating it to charity. I'm sure she's not. <laughs> Uh, I'm no. sure she's not. Well, why, why did she start OnlyFans? To get money. Maybe this reflects my my advanced age. I don't know. But I was taught you don't show your bits in pictures. You know, growing up, you don't, you don't take naked pictures because those will come back to damage you later. Because Absolutely. <laughs> now, now we're living in an era where it's like, is everybody going to have an OnlyFans? Like, will Pulitzer Prize winning journalists be showing <laughs> schlong? I don't know. I mean, I mean maybe. that's where we're at now. Listen, if it can work for Rose from the Titanic, I might... <laughs> I might, I might think, I might You're think. willing to drown for that, almost? Well, I'd be willing for my naked artifacts in the, to be shown. In the beginning, I it was like, OnlyFans was, was made for, like, wasn't necessarily for, for like, nudity. For nudity. For That's a good point, Adam. It was, it, it, like, Shea Coulee just made a OnlyFans, and she yes. heard free to subscribe, and you get to see all her behind the scenes. You yeah. get, like, exclusive content. Um, but that, you know, speaking of Drag Race, um, can we speak on Jeffrey Bauer Chapman and how we could bully him off of the Twitter? <laughs> wow. Well, how do you feel about my baby? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, whether you, you know, like him or Just because he's my baby, you don't have to... <laughs> whether you like him or not, I, I admire him, first of all, as an actor. I think he's a very talented man. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the advice he gives on Drag Race, you know, it's subjective. It's reality television. Right. Fine. I don't understand. And this, this gets to, you know, this is a symptom, I think, of, of a larger cultural issue that we will have to talk about at some point, which is like sort of rage nation. How mm -hmm. Twitter, specifically Twitter, but I guess this is true of all social media also. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly with Twitter, it's just this bastion of rage, oftentimes from people that don't understand the issues, oftentimes from people that aren't even real, they're bots created by Korea, you know, North Korea or Russia or China or whoever else that just wants to fan the flames of, of division. Mm -hmm. um, and you lose nuance, you know, it's it, people, people don't really listen to each other, they just speak and Right. You know, in, in civil rights throughout American history, the way progress has been made is by people sitting down and actually saying, okay, let's have a real conversation. Please tell me what, what you're feeling right now and answer my questions and I will do my best to do the same. Mm -hmm. um, that's harder and harder to do. And we're even kind of getting to the point where it's like, we don't even want to have the conversation. If you try to have the conversation, you get attacked for, for trying to facilitate. Right. Yeah. 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 As a journalist, I've had that happen before. Um, I won't mention names, but it it's, it's a frustrating thing because it's like, look, I'm just trying to give you facts. Don't right. But people want to hate on the media for, for trying to hold that kind of conversation. So I, I... In this era of fake news, have you ever experienced, whether it's from an audience member, um, a reader, them critiquing you for being fake news oh absolutely absolutely yeah. um, really i have so and, and it infuriated me it infuriated everyone that i work with um 
uh, Trump bots. I, I, they were not real people. I was able to determine, right. right. but Trump bots started attacking me on my social media. Now, now for your listeners, I generally, I, you can find my social media handles on the internet pretty easily. I don't publish them with every piece that I write. Okay, mm -hmm. but I did a piece on um, the women's soccer team and on Megan Rapinoe and how they had been very critical of Trump and, um, you know, how somebody, there was a moment where a couple of the players were carrying an American flag and somebody accidentally dropped part of it and picked mm -hmm. it up and they were praising this woman for, you know, her, her great American spirit. And as they're doing this on Fox News, this live feed, she runs over and kisses her girlfriend. She was not out publicly up to that point in time. So we run a story saying, you know, this is the Trump, you know, Trump supporters' worst nightmare. You know, the woman that they're praising turns out to be a lesbian. Right. And all these that. bots started attacking me all over social media, on Twitter, and particularly on Instagram. Um, I know they were bots because all of these comments appeared at the exact same time. There was not space between them. This was clearly an automated or coordinated uh, effort, you know, saying Trump has been great for, for LGBTQ people. Trump loves gay people. You know, oh, we love God. gay people. Why would you say that? And I'm like, well, his policies say otherwise. Right. He makes say otherwise. His, his, his staff says otherwise. Reality says otherwise. So tell yourself whatever you want, but, but that's just simply not true. So that, that was an experience where, you know, I think I, in a weird way, it's kind of flattering that, that you piss off the, you know, people in that way and that you have, you know, you piss off people to the point where they're willing to throw, you know, online robots at you to try and, you know, smear you or make you look bad or make you feel bad or whatever they were trying to do. Well, if you can um, change the 2016 election, it can surely change an individual's mind. It surely can. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, that again speaks to, you know, the nuance that oftentimes gets lost in the conversation when you have to pack something into 200 characters or whatever it is. Right. Uh, the, the idea that on social media we read headlines, we don't read stories, and headlines in the era of the internet are not always reflective of the information yep. in a story. Yeah. They are, you know, the equivalent of the old paperboy. If you've ever yeah. seen that that hideous movie Newsies of them, you know, uh -huh. up headlines to get people to buy newspapers. Serious movie. You and my my younger brother. I, so I'm the gay one. My brother is as straight as can be, but he was the one obsessed with Newsies growing up. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I could not watch it. I thought it was was so just like out of out of place. Out of place. Oh no. <laughs> And Just I love Christian Bale. Thing. I would watch him do anything. I don't need to hear him sing ever again. Who? Just saying. Just um, saying. Well, I mean, look, we've talked about the negatives, you know, of social media. You know, I think also it can be a great place for memories and stuff. Obviously, earlier this week, it was really refreshing for me to see all the memories of Chi Chi Devane who passed away from RuPaul's Drag Race. And being able to see that and seeing how many lives she touched, not only by fans but her sisters who were just like really affected by it yeah. and did you see any any stories that came out about Chi Chi that really touched you and you know how did that affect you know queerty like the queer community like she was a big icon mm -hmm. she, she was a big icon may she rest in peace and obviously we had a great outpouring of sorrow uh, at, at her passing which uh was too young in my mind yeah. mm -hmm. um you know what you say there is really, really interesting because one of the great virtues of social media, and it does have them, uh, particularly with something like Facebook, I learned, I'll share with you guys, I've never talked about this publicly. I learned that a good friend of mine in high school, who was, by the way, one of the best writers I've ever known, completely natural poet, journalist, essayist, uh, just a really dynamic person. She was a really um, intelligent, fun person to be around. Um, I, you know, wished her a happy birthday on her Facebook wall and learned she was dead. I did not get this mail out from her uh, or her family at all until somebody actually alerted me to it. The beauty of social media is I can go back and look at our interactions. I can look yeah. at the times I posted on her wall. I can look at the times she posted on mine. I can look at her pictures. I can look at the things that she talked about. I can go back in Facebook chat and see the last time I talked to her and realized it was within a week of her, her very sudden death. Um, things like that 
are a comfort, I think. And, and yeah. in a strange way, you know, we, we hear in science fiction about like the idea of clinical immortality, that we're all gonna be uploading our minds. Into computers. Yeah. It is kind of that. I mean, it, it's yeah. sort of like the next step down from you just go live in the computer when you're done in the physical world. Um, yeah. And so when I need her, when I need my friends in the past, they're right there. And there is something really sweet and sort of uh, peaceful about that, I think. Yeah, that's oh, beautiful. beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. What oh, a beautiful way to, oh yeah, <laughs> may she rest in power for sure. Yeah, rest in power. Uh, what a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation. Oh. All right, did I get too, too morose? I, I hope not. Not at all. No, not at all. Because it was very nice, like everybody seeing um, like all their stories and all yeah. like the pictures that people would post. Yeah, oh, that was nice, and because obviously she was like a huge like there was never anybody that was like obviously I would hope nobody would post anything negative, but like yeah. everyone literally was like she was the most like genuine mm -hmm. kind person. Well, even yeah. as a viewer, when you like yeah exactly her perform, she feel the heart and the, the heart and the soul is what made her progress in the competition so yeah. much mm -hmm. further than. Those bitches that didn't have she, a she was authentic. There was, she was no bullshit. It she was, was. This is what, who I am and this is what I'm going to give you. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Right, right. Or like Derek Barry, who was like shitting on everybody oh, from All Stars 5. <laughs> well, we actually had Derek on the. Yes, Derek is on <laughs> the delusions. No, the delusions. But you know, mayhem shut that shit down. Yeah. She said, uh uh, what we're not gonna do is bring right. down our sisters right. for no right. reason. Right, yeah. Especially right. girl, you were eliminated first. Like just just be humble and be grateful that you were on the show. You were yeah. in the you were in the hotel room while we were filming. <laughs> she was. She was. She was. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for joining. Um, a little thank hot topic so discussion. Come back with us anytime. Input yeah, I would love that. Um, I, will, yes. I will tell you all my dirty celebrity interview stories. Uh, we yes. want to We love the team. <laughs> we'll do a whole episode of that. Yes. yes. <laughs> Probably could fill it up. I'll tell you. Most everybody's pretty nice. There are one or two that are pretty nasty, but I won't say who they are. Now. Well, we oh, want to hear about the one or two. I want to know the nasty. <laughs> not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You'll have to have me back. I'm not going to give you the. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> so, David, for our listeners, where can they find you and your writing? Uh, Queerty.com. I'm entertainment editor. You can see my pieces daily, uh, or you can visit fine booksellers like Amazon and check out my three novels that are in. Okay. Yes, three novels. <laughs> love yes. it. So uh, I would love that because I get a check for it. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. a check is very a, important. We all need it a check. Very important. Okay. Get that bag, baby. Share <laughs> <laughs> <Secure> the bag. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you, David. So much. Thank you for joining us. Be safe out there. All right. Bye. Bye. My favorite segment out of all of these interviews has to be our Hot Topics segment. Special shout out to mm -hmm. David Reddish, entertainment editor at Queerty, for laying down the tea. Yeah, I love to see Hot Topics. I can't to wait to have it. it back. I yes. know. I want to hear all that tea. everything. And I'm also, oh, well, I was going to say, I want to hear when Equal appears on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. yes, I want to have Jay Rodriguez back, actor and host Jay Rodriguez, mm -hmm. back to talk about his ins and outs behind the mm -hmm. scenes of equal i can't wait to watch it um it's gonna be hbo max is putting out great content they they're putting out legendary content. and like they're putting out good poc and queer content and i love I that love and those. and they're normalizing it it's not a thing where you're like oh it still feels so foreign no, i really it's do just love like that. it just feels diverse and it feels like i can relate well you know when we were uh watching uh lovecraft we, we were talking about lovecraft country earlier mm -hmm. and we saw in one of the first episodes spoiler alert a certain character was getting a blowjob and it wasn't a thing it was just like oh, oh yeah he was getting the blowjob <laughs> there was literally man. no conversations like, about it 
It was just what it and was. And that was in the 1950s when, yeah. you know, clearly uh, people of color, they were going through the Jim Crow laws, and you can just imagine what LGBT people were going through. So I thought that that was just like, oh, you get it. Okay, I'm a, uh, it, was, it was really good. Yep. So for our listeners out there, be sure to check out Equal, which will be on HBO Max in October. And for all of the other hot topics out there that are going to happen in the next week before you can listen to us, check out David Reddish's articles on Queerty.com. Okay. I am Mr. Braden Bradley. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. It's your girl, Ashley Mitchell. Darrell Anthony, as always, baby. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Pride the Podcast. Bye, bye, Until guys. next week. Bye. 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 Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.